Oftentimes I'm asked, what does monday mean? It simply is a word that means command. And on Monday, Thursday, we typically remember at least two commands of Jesus. One was that we are to love one another, even as he loves us. And then the second command is where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. And so on Monday, Thursday, we remember not only the command to love one another, but also we remember that this was the night in which Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper to bring us his forgiveness uh, that was won for us on the cross, and then also to strengthen and nourish us in our faith. So I pray that tonight, as we gather, you will be built up in your faith as we focus in on God's word and especially the kindness that Jesus has for us. And yes, tonight we're going to continue on with the sermon series that we've been going through throughout the season of Lent, the fruits of the Holy Spirit as seen in the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight we're going to focus in on that fruit of the Spirit of kindness, and especially the kindness that Jesus has for us. So, with that, welcome everyone. I hope that you have a worship folder. Our Old Testament lesson tonight is a responsive reading. It's from the Passover account. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in Egypt. This month is to be the first month of the year for you. Give these instructions to the whole company of Israel. On the tenth day of this month, each man must choose either a lamb or a goat for his household. If his family is too small to eat a whole animal, he and his next-door neighbor may share an animal in proportion to the number of people and the amount that each person can eat. You may choose either a sheep or a goat, but it must be a one-year-old male without any defects. Then on the evening of the fourteenth day of the month, the whole community of Israel will kill the animals. The people are to take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and above the doors of the houses in which the animals are to be eaten. That night, the meat is to be roasted and eaten with bitter herbs and with bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled, but eat it roasted whole, including the head, the legs, and the internal organs. You must not leave any of it until morning. If any is left over, it must be burned. You are to eat it quickly. For you are to be dressed for travel with your sandals on your feet and your walking stick in your hand. It is the Passover festival to honor me, the Lord. On that night I will go through the land of Egypt, killing every firstborn male, both human and animal, and punishing all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood on the doorposts will be a sign to mark the houses in which you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you and will not harm you when I punish the Egyptians. You must celebrate this day as a religious festival to remind you of what I, the Lord, have done. Celebrate it for all time to come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson for Monday, Thursday is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, 
that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Out of respect for our Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you to rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel for this Monday Thursday is from John chapter 13. Glory to you, O Lord. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. And he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that is why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, Jesus said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you, if you do them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we come to sit at your feet this night to listen to your most holy word, a word in which you speak to us words of kindness. Lord, we pray that all of the thoughts that flood our mind right now would be cast aside. All the troubles and the worries and the fears and the anxieties be silenced. 
so that we might be able to listen to your voice. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How remarkable it is when Satan was marshalling his forces, when Judas was making his contact to betray the Son of God, when the soldiers and the guards were readying themselves to arrest and execute Jesus, when Caiaphas was drumming up a meeting of the Sanhedrin for a kangaroo court, when all of that was happening, Jesus, being fully aware of all of the scheming and betrayal going on behind the scenes, was mindful of the well-being of his disciples. Jesus knew how frail and frightened his disciples were. He knew that their faith in him would receive a jolt when he would be arrested. He knew that they would be overwhelmed with guilt for deserting him. He knew that his death would be devastating to them. And so now, he shows them kindness in order to support and strengthen them. That night, the evening on which Jesus was arrested, betrayed, Jesus looked into the future. Yes, he looked into the future and he saw how we, yes, you and I, would be frail and frightened and in need of support and strength. And that night, in the upper room, Jesus spoke words of kindness to us as well. Listen to these words. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he gave him thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. We live in a very impersonal society. In some cases, we have a more personal relationship with someone online than we actually have with the neighbor who lives next door to us. Our phone will ring. And often on the other end of the line is a digital voice that is delivering a message to us. Oftentimes we will call someone, we will call an office, for example, and we will also receive a digital voice, an automated voice that will work us, walk us through a number of different options before we finally get to a living, breathing human being. We bank online. We pick up our food via a drive through line. We order our groceries online and have the groceries delivered to the front steps of our door. If we need advice or counsel, we listen to a podcast. 
And if we consider joining a church, well, we often prefer the online variety. Friends, we've been practicing social distancing for a long time. Living socially distant, like we have and like we're doing, makes it really challenging to do acts of kindness. In fact, someone has said that if you really want to surprise someone, do something kind for them. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't want to be perceived as being pessimistic. I mean, I realize that acts of kindness are done every day, and not just randomly. A co-worker may pick up an extra shift so that a mom or a dad can be at home with their sick child. A shopper gives up a prime parking spot for that elderly couple. A classmate tutors a fellow student in a subject that that student is struggling in. A friend invites another friend over to their home for a cup of tea and just to talk. A boss compliments a colleague for work well done. A casserole is delivered to the home of a church member who's recovering from surgery. A teenager shovels the snow of an elderly neighbor. A husband surprises his wife with a bouquet of flowers. Just this week, one of the members of our congregation here at St. James shared a story of how he got a flat tire while he was biking. And as he was repairing that tire, another biker stopped and gave him actually an extra rubber tire, spare rubber tire, so that he could use it. And the friend or the biker said, there's no cost to you. You see, there's all kinds of acts of kindness that are done each and every day. And this is especially so when we take a look at the life of Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus' life was filled with intentional acts of kindness. His was a hands-on kind of kindness. It was the kindness of Jesus that moved him to spend time talking with little children. It was a kind Jesus who touched the ear of a of a deaf man so that that deaf man could hear. It was a kind Jesus who turned water into wine so that he might save the groom and his family the embarrassment of running out of wine. It was the kindness of Jesus that moved Jesus to heal and cleanse ten lepers, that moved him to socialize with social outcasts, that moved him to bring back to life a widow's son who had died. Even as Jesus experienced the agony of crucifixion, it was Jesus' kind disposition that moved him to see beyond his own pain, to see the needs of his mother, and to see the needs of a dying, repentant thief. It was his kindness that invited back one who had denied him, and it was his kindness that extended his nail-pierced hands to one who had doubted him. We benefit, yes, we benefit from Jesus' kindness, and thankfully so. St. Paul writes, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Jesus' death on the cross was an outrageous act of kindness for us. I mean, it was an intentional act of kindness. It was planned before the beginning of time. 
It was sacrificial. For Jesus gave his very life for you and for me. It was undeserved. We didn't do anything to deserve that Jesus would love us and be so kind of us that he would die on the cross for us. It wasn't payback on his part for something that we had done for him. No, it was completely and totally undeserved. And it was selfless. For in Jesus' death, all the benefits, all the blessings that he won for us on that cross flowed from Jesus to us. Friends, we would be lost. We would be lost and without God's forgiveness for our sin, without the kindness and the mercy of our Savior Jesus who willingly carried the sins of the world, your sins and mine, on his back when he died on that cross in Golgotha. Talk about an act of kindness that puts a smile on our face and a bounce in our step and makes the sun shine a little bit brighter and even moves us to be kind to one another. There is really nothing, is there, that compares to the kindness of Jesus Christ. Our Lord's kindness is extended to us in holy baptism. St. Paul writes, God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Our Heavenly Father, our kind Heavenly Father, takes us as his own child and heir in holy baptism. We who were once spiritual orphans are now adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. We who were once dead in our sin are reborn and were made new by the life-creating baptismal flood. We who were once guilty and condemned for our sin are declared acquitted, forgiven of all of our sin. We who once had only hell to anticipate now have the hope of eternal life. For St. Peter reminds us that in his great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's being kept in heaven for us. It's because of God's kindness, our Lord's kindness toward us in baptism that we can sing God's own child, I gladly say it. I am baptized into Christ. He, because I could not pay it, gave my full redemption price. Do I need earth's, earth's treasures many? I have one worth more than many that brought me salvation free, lasting to all eternity. Yes, our Lord Jesus Christ is kind to us in that he bestows upon us blessing upon blessing when we're baptized. And that same Lord, that same Savior, who is our King, invites us to dine at his table for a royal feast. Yes, his kindness, our Lord's kindness, our King's kindness, is, is received in the Lord's Supper, in which our Lord not only forgives us of our sins, 
but he strengthens and he supports us in our faith. Yes, it's in that sacred meal that I know that we all long to have tonight. It's in that sacred meal that Jesus gives us sustenance when we're weary and worn out by life. When we're dogged by our sins, he grants us forgiveness. When we're frightened and frail by the fragility of life, he comes to us in that holy meal and he gives us his very body and blood and says, Eat and drink for the forgiveness of your sin. Yes, as I said a moment ago, oh, we would long to be here tonight and to receive that very body and blood of Christ and to hear those blessed words of forgiveness and absolution. But even as we're not able to do that, hear these words, for they are as sweet and as kind as they as receiving the body and blood of Christ. For Jesus says to you and me, our sins, your sins, are forgiven. He died for you and He died for me. And therefore, there's nothing in all of creation that can ever separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And so we open up God's Word at times like this and we read the words of sacred Scripture where God speaks words of kindness and forgiveness and love and hope and healing into our lives. And it's in that Word that He strengthens us and enables us to overcome the weariness that we experience in life. Where He announces to us that we need not be guilt-ridden for our sin, for for they're forgiven. And when we're frightened and frail, God speaks words of comfort to us as he reminds us that he is our rock and our salvation. And as we live in Jesus' kindness, as we receive his kindness, the Holy Spirit uses that kindness to create and nurture a kind disposition in us. In his love chapter, St. Paul says that love is patient Love is kind. Love is kind. Who do you know that is in need of Jesus' kindness? Who do you know needs you to reach out to them with the kindness of Jesus through your words and, yes, also through your deeds? There are many people all around us, and yes, even us included, but there are people all around us who are frail, who are frightened, who have been jolted in a way they haven't been jolted maybe ever in their life by this coronavirus and all of the fallout that is coming along with it. There are many people who are dealing with guilt and shame because of sins committed. There are people who are grieving loss after loss in life right now. And they're in need. They're in need of Jesus' kindness. They're in need of hearing that Jesus loves them so much that he died for them. They need to be reminded of their baptism so that they might know that Jesus will remain kind to them. And if they haven't been baptized, then they need to be invited to the baptismal waters 
and receive the kindness of Jesus directly in their life through those floodwaters. And yes, they need to see that kindness in you as you minister to them, as you love them, as you pray with them, as you support them, as you let them weep on your shoulders, as you embrace them. Yes, Jesus is a kind Savior. And we are the benefactors. We are the ones who benefit from His kindness. For we live in His love and His mercy and His kindness every day. And so He sends us out not to do random acts of kindness, but to do everyday acts of kindness in the name of our Lord, our Savior, our King. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.